This episode is brought to you by Milano Cookies. Look, sometimes that long Zen yoga class is just not in the cards. So maybe a cookie is. Pepperidge Farm Milano believes you should make some time for yourself once in a while. I know I have a particular space in my sewing room that I like to just take a few minutes every day. I sit there. I think about things. It's kind of like meditation and munching at the same time. You can get that yummy, beautiful cookie flavor. It makes it luxurious and delightful, and I always feel recharged. Milano cookies are truly a treat worthy of your me time. They're delicate and crispy with luxuriously rich chocolate in the middle. You really want to keep these just for you. So remember to save something for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano. How do you find a new way forward when suddenly you have to, ready or not? Maybe you're relocating or having your first baby or leaving a relationship. Just starting or just starting over. On the road to somewhere, we talk about all of it, getting really honest. And we definitely laugh our way through it. That's the beauty of this journey. I'm Lisa Oz. And I'm Jill Herzig. Join us as we navigate our own big life changes on our podcast, The Road to Somewhere. Listen to The Road to Somewhere on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. I'm editor Candice Keener, joined by staff writer Jane McGrath. Hey there, Candice. Hey, Jane. You know, this morning I knew that we were going to be talking about a certain spice today. So when I went to go pick up my morning coffee, I found a nutmeg shaker and was very liberal <laughs> in shaking the spice into my coffee because nutmeg is... It's such a fun spice. It's yeah, sort of it. nutty and sort mm-hmm. of like woody tasting, and it's very savory. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I especially like uh, Christmas time for my Christmas eggnog, oh, eggnog, one of my favorite drinks, yeah. But as much as you love nutmeg, would you ever trade the island of Manhattan for nutmeg? Knowing what it is now, I don't think I would. No. <laughs> but I don't think the Dutch uh, <laughs> saw that coming. No. So what we're talking about is this sort of a quirky piece of history in which people used to say that the island of Manhattan was traded for like $24 or a couple of strands of beads or something like that. And that's sort of fictional to begin with, but it has a longer and more interesting story than that. And if you think that the American Indians who resided around Manhattan were conned into giving up this very valuable piece of land, then we have excellent news for you guys. They were not. If anyone was taken advantage of, it was the Dutch. And this also ties into our nutmeg discussion. Um, and uh, going back to give you some context about nutmeg, uh, the Europeans loved them, their, their nutmeg. And, uh, back, at least in the 14th century, we did a, we did a podcast a while ago on the, on the Black Death. And during that time, at least, Europeans actually, uh, loved their nutmeg. They, they actually, uh, wore it around their necks in, in a little packet to protect themselves from the plague, which is pretty interesting. I actually read that. It sounds, it sounds like superstition, but I read that it actually might have helped in, uh, repelling the, uh, the fleas that possibly spread the, fl- the plague. And nutmeg, if you've never seen a whole one before, it's about an inch long. It's like a little, nut-shaped spice, and the inside of the kernel is where nutmeg comes from, nutmeg proper, but the outside coating on the kernel is where we get the spice called mace, and it grows on a tree, and um, it was considered very, very valuable, not just for medicinal reasons that Jane mentioned, but also because it could be used as a hallucinogen 
and an aphrodisiac. And in the 16th century, some monks were known to reduce it to an oil and rub it on their genitals. So go knock yourselves out. (laughs) But um, today we use small quantities of nutmeg to help quell gas and nausea, but in really, really large doses, nothing you could ever get from cooking with nutmeg, don't worry. Um, It can still cause hallucination, as well as some symptoms that are similar to an epileptic seizure. Yeah, apparently if you eat enough of it, it will do that to you. Yeah, so I'd recommend getting yourself a, a nice little nutmeg mill and, and grinding it into your nutmeg in your morning coffee instead yeah. of just ingesting it whole. So anyway, <laughs> all of this to say, nutmeg was a really hot commodity. Yeah, and uh, the Europeans were used to getting their nutmeg through um, land routes, actually. With Nutmeg itself was indigenous to islands in the East Indies, and so obvi- and, uh, obviously the climate of Europe was not very hospitable to nutmeg. They couldn't grow it themselves. And so they relied on these trade routes. But um, about the uh, 15th century, uh, the Ottoman Empire actually took uh, over Constantinople. And in do- so doing, they actually shut down these land routes, uh, cutting off the access uh, for Europeans to um, continue doing their trade. And that's why when you hear about Christopher Columbus trying to find a new trade route to the east, it was such a big deal. They had no way of getting there by their usual directions. They had to find an entirely new way. And we know that Columbus stumbled upon America, supposedly, but someone who had markedly more success was Vasco da Gama. And he actually went around the Cape of Good Hope. And by doing so and successfully getting to trade in the east, he put Portugal at the top of the list when it came to trading in the 16th century. Yeah, but like Candace said, Columbus ran into America in the West. So you have these Europeans who are more interested in the East and their spices, but they're also pretty intrigued by what the West has to offer, and uh, they want to find out what's there, which is why um, in about 1609, the Dutch hired explorer Henry Hudson to actually go to North America. And what they really were after was a Northwest Passage to try to find an access to the East Indies. That's really what they were all about. But he didn't find that. Obviously, there's no exact Northwest Passage that would allow them to do that. And what he did find were um, pretty interesting places like Manhattan, the island, and Long Island, and uh, the river that was later known as the Hudson River from its discoverer. So by this time, the Dutch had formed their own West India Company, and they took the land that Hudson had discovered and all the surrounding properties, the water, the island, and they essentially dubbed it New Netherland. And this was a great place to engage in the fur trade. And so it became very attractive to them. And around 1626, the director of the Dutch West India Company, Peter Minuit, bought the island from the American Indians, like I was alluding to earlier. And um, what's funny about this purchase is that the American Indians didn't really conceive of Manhattan as their island. It was a place where they occasionally went to hunt game and to fish, but it certainly wasn't a place where they had uh, permanent dwellings or even temporary dwellings. And when they wandered over occasionally, that's when they encountered the Dutch. And we think that perhaps Henry Hudson encountered them at one point in time and in the spirit of sharing and, you know, uh, good sportsmanship offered them some liquor he had brought over. And that's why the American Indian term for the island of Manhattan is a word that translates to place where we got drunk. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. It just goes to show that they didn't really consider it their own. You know, they didn't even live there, you know. Um, but the Dutch didn't really know that. They just assumed that the Indians considered considered it their own. And so 
in this consideration, they tried to do the right thing by actually giving them commodities in exchange for the land. Yeah, and historians like to note that, um, at least uh, compared to maybe Spanish conquistadors who just sort of took the land when they wanted it without any concern for the natives, the Dutch at least tried to uh, show a sign of good faith by trying to purchase uh, the island of Manhattan formally. So while the fur trade is flourishing in Manhattan, we have the spice trade flourishing with the the East India companies. And nutmeg by this time has attained a 6,000% markup. It is incredibly valuable. And a group of islands near Indonesia, the Banda Islands, became so much more attractive to traders at this time. And Portugal actually annexed the islands in 1512. But the Dutch did not like this. Yeah, so actually the Dutch came into the Banda Islands in about 1602 and, and formally like uh, ousted the Portuguese. And at the time, the Bandanese, the local population there, were pretty happy to see the Dutch because they, uh, the Portuguese you know, were known as, as harsh colonizers. Little did they know, however, that the Dutch would end up being much harsher as colonizers in general. And when they took over... The Dutch immediately made uh, a treaty with the Bandanese people, the the village chiefs in particular. And so they tried to get the Bandanese to agree to only deal their um, nutmeg through the Dutch so Um, that the Dutch could have a monopoly. And unfortunately, this is a problem that has persisted throughout history, the idea of someone coming into a land that does not belong to them and brokering a deal in a foreign language with foreign terms and maybe sometimes even with a culture that doesn't have a formal system of writing and getting them to sign a piece of paper. And in the case of the Bandanese, this is sort of what happened. They didn't fully understand the terms of the Dutch contract and nutmeg was valuable to them as a bartering tool for neighboring islands uh, from which they got different types of garments and textiles and food. So they needed nutmeg for their own sustenance. It wasn't just a, a mercenary matter to them. It was a matter of survival. And when the Dutch got word of them being the, the non-exclusive recipient of their nutmeg supply, they got really upset. Yeah. So, you know, you can't really say that the Bandanese broke their contract if, if the possibility is there that they didn't understand it and they relied on, on the, the bartering to survive. And so, but the Dutch obviously didn't understand it or didn't care why they were breaking the contract. They responded with violence. Most of the time, these were like isolated skirmishes, series of attacks. But at points, uh, there were um, situations where the Dutch just came in and sweeping violent massacres of the local population of the Bandanese. And uh, uh, it was so sweeping that um, they actually ended up killing, I think, most of the Bandanese population, so much so that the Dutch had to import their own farmers to, be, to grow the nutmeg. And meanwhile, at this time, Britain has gotten a hold on a neighboring island where nutmeg also grew. And they were using that to their advantage to try to destroy the Dutch monopoly on nutmeg. And um, the Dutch traders were so adamant about being the only ones to dabble in the trading of the spice that they actually dipped nutmeg in lime to prevent anyone else who purchased it from planting it and sprouting their nutmeg trees. So, like you said, the British had this island uh, named Run, and this was the missing piece in their in their Banda Island um, monopoly. And uh, there was this one Dutch commander who's known for being especially uh, ruthless. His name, I believe, is Jan Peterson Cohen. He, if he had his way, he would have just gone into the island of Run and just expelled the the British violently. But uh, unfortunately for him, the Dutch and the English back in Europe had recently signed a cooperation agreement in uh, in 1619. 
So he couldn't just go in and kill uh, the British. And uh, instead, he decided to do a more handed, uh, underhanded trick. And he snuck on the island of Run uh, when the British left it uh, briefly. And he actually burned down all of the nutmeg trees on that island. In a fit of rage. And, you know, it's funny, Jane, because the joke really was on the Dutch. Because, as we know, uh, buying a seed and planting it is not the only way to grow your own crops. Uh, birds and animals do a lot of work for us when it comes to pollination. And so many birds who ate the fruit from the nutmeg tree and flew to different islands actually scattered the seed around. So nutmeg was growing in different parts of the islands at this time. So there was no way the Dutch could control the spice unless well, they controlled the bird. Yeah, so, I wonder if they understood that. I guess not. Probably not. Yeah. They were just too ticked off about their spice. <laughs> so um, the Dutch are pretty upset about this. They've lost their monopoly. They've essentially burned this great supply of nutmeg to the ground. And what's more, you can imagine that relations with the British aren't exactly at a peak at this moment. Yeah, the British and the Dutch actually engaged in a few wars. Uh, during these wars, obviously, they would extend to the, the colonizing that was going on in the East and West. And so a British fleet actually took uh, over Manhattan forcibly in 1664 in the, uh, in the second uh, Dutch-Anglo War, I believe. And a few years later, in 1666, the, on the other side of the world, the Dutch forcibly took over the island of Run. And so um, you have all these lands in different hands, just going back and forth. And finally, in the Treaty of uh, Breda in 1667, they, they, this was the treaty that ended the, ended the war. And the Dutch were able to relinquish uh, their claim on Manhattan in exchange for control of Run. So long story short... There you have it. Essentially, Manhattan was traded for a spice, for nutmeg. Yeah, and another interesting side note to this is that um, even though the Dutch at this point got control of Run, uh, much later, and I think the Napoleonic Wars in the early uh, 19th century, the British actually came back to the Banda Islands and took some nutmeg with them. This time it wasn't dipped in lime like uh, the Dutch used to do. <laughs> and they were able to replant it. And they went to different islands uh, in the West Indies, actually, and were able to plant it in different places, including Granada, which is where it's really popular now. So next time you're drinking a cup of eggnog and you sprinkle on this very uh, significant spice, remind yourself that it was the cause of many deaths and much violence and a very interesting trade. Back not in the, to be uh, Debbie Downer. Not but. to be Debbie Downer. <laughs> enjoy your Christmas eggnog, please. Not that you'll be enjoying it in the summertime, but just think about it when the holidays roll around. Yeah, it's a pretty cool story. It is. And we have weird and quirky stories like this every day that we post on our new blog. Yeah, but Candace and I uh, blog every day on Stuff You Missed in History Class on our website, HowStuffWorks.com. So be sure to check that out for the latest updates about your favorite podcast as well as the latest news in politics and history and culture. And when you go there, you can also find this article on HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. We are going to Italy. After the success of last year's trip to Paris, we are planning another similar trip, still with defined destinations, this time to Rome and Florence. Yeah, we are going to spend a week exploring some amazing things. We're going to have city tours of both Rome and Florence. We're going to see the Roman Colosseum, the Vatican Museum, and the Sistine Chapel, St. Peter's Basilica, Vatican City. This is just a tiny fraction of all the stuff we're going to get to do. 
Yeah, it's May 14th to 21st, 2020. And to get more information, go to defineddestinations.com and scroll down to the Roman Florence trip with Stuff You Missed in History Class. Hey, listeners, I wanted to tell you about a new podcast from iHeartRadio called The Women, hosted by Rose Reed. It is a fascinating and deep dive interview show where Rose talks to changemakers and disruptors, and she finds out what really drives them. So she will ask each of them, what was your first stand and how do you navigate success and failure? And really, what's the cost of fighting for others? These interviews are really personal and they're candid and sometimes they're a little bit crass, but they are always really enlightening. You can listen to these firebrands and takeaway lessons that will help you navigate your own life and forge your own path. The debut season includes women like Valerie Plame, the former CIA agent who is now running for Congress, and whistleblower and pediatrician Dr. Mona Hanna-Attisha, who exposed the Flint water crisis and became the center of a swirling, swirling amount of problems, uh, and the legendary Buffy St. Marie, 60s songwriter and activist. Uh, I have personal interest in this show because I adore Rose and I executive produce it, and I think you're really going to enjoy the way that she gets into these conversations that feel like two friends talking, and they are an absolute delight. So subscribe to The Women on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.